Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. It is just me and Armani Buckets today. Armani Buckets, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well. It just feels so strange. I don't know if this has ever happened before. Not that I don't enjoy speaking with you, Jihei. I love it. It's just... When has it ever been just the two of us? I know this is really weird. I, I mean, just like you said, I'm I'm loving it. It's great, but it's just it's so so odd not to have Arash here, not to have Brandon here, um, not even to have Tim here. Um, he seems like he so naturally was a part of this is a part of this show. So it's uh it's going to be an interesting show today. I'm super excited. What um I, I I'm just also psyched by the way. Uh, that John Shire got his first ranked win last night against Ohio State. I know we're going to be talking Lakers and Clippers and all that stuff, but I'm just psyched that that man finally got his first ranked win. He, it's about flipping time, so very, very happy for him, happy for uh, Flip. For all those don't know who Flip is, that's uh, Kyle Flip, uh, Filipkowski. Uh, he is a star, as my mom would say, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch the rest of the Duke season, so... Um, yeah, I, I guess moving forward, do, you, do we want to talk about the Lakers since, you know, we can, we can, <laughs> I think it is somewhat relevant. First of all, congratulations to you and your dookies. Uh, wait, was that offensive dookies? You said that you don't like when oh, somebody, do you know what? I, I can take it or leave it. I think when you say it, it's more, <laughs> this is so funny because like, it's, it's it's not really offensive. I mean, we are we are the Dukies. So, but um, a lot of people say it um, with the intention of malice. So, oh, okay. um, no, I love I love it. It's fine. Yeah, there we call, go. Call me a Duke. And you know what? I I've been called a Dukie. She's a Dukie. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll take I'll take that. I'll take that with a stride of pride. So there we go. I love it. Yeah, yeah. To answer Taking your it back. Yeah. <laughs> to answer your Laker question, I mean, the thing is like. Yes, they won a very, very good um, style of basketball game yesterday where they controlled the game against Portland. The biggest test now is on this upcoming road trip. They have six games coming up on the road, starting in Milwaukee, which we just learned uh, Chris Middleton is going to be playing for the first time this season. So it's all good. The Lakers are trending in the right direction, but... The schedule is not. So I want to see how they do on this road trip because I don't think it's going to go well. But I, I, we'll see, I guess. What, what, are your, um, what are your expectations? I mean, see, here's my thing. For the Lakers, I, I'm just going to have low expectations for the rest of the year for them. You know, if they get, get to 500, 
awesome. If they are below 500, they are who we thought they were. Um, you know, if they make the play in, oh my God, you know, hell is now frozen or hell is frozen over. So I, I'm not, I'm just doing low expectations for them. If they start playing the style of basketball that I think a lot of other people think that they can play, then good on them. But I just, I just don't have any expectations for them. Um, I'm wondering actually what the, uh, what the spread is for this game. I'm going to look it up um, while I talk to you, but I just don't, I, they, I guess they, they covered immensely last night. They were only favored at six points last night. So maybe this is a trend. Yeah. At six, okay. I, I, you know what I think it's because Portland's on a back to back. They had to travel. You know, Vegas obviously knows something that we don't. So uh, I, I think back to back games. There, there's that theory out there that some some teams just don't care. So they're like, you know what, this one this one game is a wash. We tried really really hard against the Clippers at home, and now we have to travel to LA. You know, it's a it's a wash. Let's like let's try to move forward and get and get the next game. Yeah, I, I think that that's the, more of the mindset. Yeah, I I hear you. I think when when you look at the upcoming road trip, starts off with the Bucks, which looks like a loss on paper. Then they're in DC playing the Wizards. That's one that you have to have, right? I mean, I think that you can take an L to the Bucks, but. If you're going to be a decent basketball team at some point this year, you should beat Washington. I mean, Washington's playing some some good ball right now. I'm not, I'm not, and I agree with you. I think that you should be if you're going to call yourself a decent team, you should be beating Washington. But they're playing some pretty good ball right now. They're not horrible. Yeah, they're. I, I look at the Wizards, the Blazers, all those teams kind of in the same tier, and right. the Lakers. Just off of the sheer fact of LeBron Davis and whatever version of Westbrook we're seeing, they should be better than those teams. I mean, I think that they're not in the same category, obviously, as the Bucks. The the third game of the trip is in Cleveland. I don't think that they should be expected to beat Cleveland on the road. But I mean, the Wizards game, even the Sixers game, the Pistons game, can they get to 3-3 three and three on this road trip? Because... I think it's very doable, and if you're going to be a good team at some point this year, you're going to need to start winning away from, from Staples Center, and you need to make it happen immediately because there's no time to wait when you're 8-12. and 12. I mean, the factors of playing on the road are really, really rough, right? You don't have the comforts of home. you got to actually physically travel. Um, I'm, try- I'm just looking at this schedule right now. Like you said, Bucks on the road, Wizards on the road, Cavs on the road, going all the way to Canada on the road, then going back to Philly, um, which they should win that one, but hey, it's the Lakers, you never know, and then Detroit. Um, I mean, I just think just the travel in general is just going to be rough for them. And then they come Who home to Who made this the- schedule, by the way? <laughs> this is yeah. terrible. This schedule is horrible. Yeah, they come back for Boston and then the Nuggets, and then in the at the end of the month, they have another road trip starting on Christmas where they go Dallas, Orlando, Miami, Atlanta, and Charlotte. So they have two separate East Coast road trips in the same month. This month is going to make or break the Lakers. And you might say that, oh, they're already broken. I, I think that they're still definitely a viable threat because they're 
dismantling teams like Portland. They should have dismantled Indiana, but they fall apart in the last, you know, eight minutes. I don't know. I, I don't know. But these road trips are going to be big. No, definitely. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not really massively into conspiracy theory, right? Um, but, and I normally don't agree with Brandon Deutsch, but th- yeah, the league might have it out for the Lakers when it comes to this schedule, man. Like, this is rough. Like, the beginning of the month and the end of the month. I mean, they're spending Christmas in Dallas. Um, then they have to move on to Ma- to Orlando. I mean, th- this is harsh for, to yeah. have to go all this way to go and play. And these are like, they don't have a lot of time. This, this kind of reminds me of, um, you know, back in the day where you would play back-to-backs, but you would have to legit be someplace else the next day. Yeah. Like they legitimately they have to be in and granted at least this is still in Florida, but like they have to be in Orlando. For those that don't like like Orlando or Florida is very similar to Cali, where like it's so spread out. There's so many different areas and it's so far to get to these certain areas, right? So they're going to Orlando on the twenty seventh, and then they're going to Miami on the twenty eighth. Yes, it's the same state, but they still have to travel. So I mean this is this doesn't look fun <laughs> like at all. Um, if you're looking at their schedule in the beginning and the end of December, I, I, the way that they're playing though, if they don't play that fourth quarter like they played against, um, it was at Portland. Yeah, if they don't play like that and they play the way that I think that they can play, and maybe LeBron goes to the basket and gives up his body, uh, they they could possibly. And I was listening to um. Uh, ESPN radio again, as, as we are on ESPN radio, but like I was listening to that and um, good points were brought up that the offense needs to be built around AD. And once it was, they flourished. Right. So I think if they continue to do that and LeBron maybe goes to the bucket and creates just like uh, Russ used to do as well, or does still as well and stop shooting majorly from the outside consistently from the outside. I think that, you know, this team can win there's a huge possibility that like they should be over they should be over 500 with the talent that they have with the young talent that they have and the veterans that they have they should be at least at 500 so i think we should discuss two things that well one major thing that happened yesterday with uh right after the game the lakers announced that they cut matt ryan so two things on that first of all it's kind of suspicious or intriguing that you opened up a roster spot so you wonder what that roster spot is opened up for and then the other thing is they waved Matt Ryan as he's sitting in the locker room in his locker without giving him the decency of like you know a a day waking up in the morning and maybe doing it because then he had to answer the reporter's questions as he had just found out that he lost his job I just thought that that was kind of you know, not the right timing by the Lakers there. What did you think? I mean, on the humanistic side, yeah, it sucks. But if you're a business person and you need to waive it for whatever reason, you need to waive it financially or, you know, you need to open up that spot and put somebody else there that's going to fit that spot better. I I get it. Um, I'm not saying that I agree with it, but I understand it. (laughs) But um, yeah, that poor kid. (laughs) I mean, it's like finding out that you, it's like waking up and finding out that, you your key card doesn't work and you you have to like find out through twitter or something like that right or you find out through 
um, media that you've been cut. So it's just, yeah, that sucks. I mean, there's no, there's no other way to put it, to put it. Um, but again, from a business standpoint, like if the shoe were on, and here's the other thing too, I'm always an advocate of like, if the shoe was on the other foot, I'm just trying to look at both sides. Um, not saying that I agree with the way that the Lakers handle it, but if I'm looking at both sides, I get it. You know, maybe they, maybe they needed to wave them. So yeah, poor yeah. Matt Ryan, though. <laughs> you got to feel bad for a kid like that. Yeah. And the reason they waved him is going to be the interesting thing, because is there a trade coming up that maybe the Lakers are sending out one player and getting back two players that they need that open spot on the roster for? It's just the timing of it. And then you have uh, Shams Charania tweeted out that the Lakers are looking to increase their roster at the December 15th. What happens at December 15th is the players that sign contracts in the offseason, they become eligible for trade. So that's a big day in the NBA calendar. And it could be the reason why the Lakers are being proactive now, opening up that roster spot. But I mean, what does this team really want to do about the Russell Westbrook situation? Because he's been such a... He's been such an important piece to their bench. He's been kind of carrying that unit. Is it even wise to trade Westbrook with the way that he's been playing? What do you think, Jihei? I don't know. I mean, he's not going to win you another. T- he's not going to win you a title. It's. It's. I think that if you want to trade him at that. Dead- uh, didn't we also talk about this like earlier that like this is pro- probably what's going to happen, right? That he's going to get that they, maybe they'll trade him like later on. Yeah. The Brandon brought this up a bunch um, about waiting, waiting until the trade deadline. But you look at that December schedule that we just went over. And if they go under 500 this month, if they go under 500 this month and they're already four games under 500, that means we're what? Five, six, seven, eight games under 500 going into January the trade deadline wouldn't be till February. I just don't think you have the the luxury of time. It's either you want to make the move coming up here in the month of December, I think, and you go for it, or you don't. And if you don't, it, I don't know what the Laker fans are going to think about that because with the way Anthony Davis is playing basketball, with LeBron still being, you know, at the tail end of whatever hit this second prime third prime of his has been i don't know if you can waste it i don't know if you should waste it but i mean do laker fans still have hope like no offense to y'all but like do you still have hope that you know there's a possible possibility for a plan like is is that still out there well jihei i do think that the plan is realistic if they stay healthy but the thing is you cannot count on them to stay healthy yeah we know that, like any time that Anthony Davis hits the ground, your whole Laker fans are holding their breath. Any time that LeBron James, you know, may just walks off the floor or whatever, like you never, you never know, right? So, I mean, t- I don't know to to think that you guys are going to make the walk, uh, the the plan. I just, I I would lower your expectations as realistic Laker fans. Now I know that there are Laker fans that think that they're going to win it every single year. And I get that. And those are like the, the fly by night kind of people, but the ones that are realistic and know and follow the the Lakers from day one till the end of the season. I mean, they got to be realistic on this, right? 
You, yeah, I mean, there was the the quote that came out the other day that multiple members of the Lakers locker room think that they are, you know, a piece or two away from being serious contenders. I see why they would think that as you just rolled your eyes at me, Jihei. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just that it is still so early in the season and one of the before the season, Jihei, we said that the recipe for the Lakers to be a dominant basketball team was a great defense and a great Anthony Davis. They've had a great Anthony Davis. And if you make a trade, maybe you have a great defense with if it's a Miles Turner teaming up with Anthony Davis. Is it really that far fetched to think that this team can be at least con- competing? I don't want to say contending, but. I mean, well, they're contending for the play, and let's get real. They're not contending for a championship. But, uh, but I mean, can you get Miles Turner? That's the big question mark, right? Like, if you can get somebody that's going to help your defense out, if you can get that, then absolutely. Like, this this dropping Matt Ryan makes complete sense. But can you get them? I mean, you know, the front office knows that a lot better than me. Um, I do want to talk about the Clippers um, and that unfortunate loss. I just... Where do you think that they stand right now? Because they are LA's only hope for a um, a possible run, right? Uh, for the for the title. I'm glad you brought this up because what you think of the Clippers also is factored in by what you think of the other teams at the top of the Western Conference. Do you believe in Phoenix? Do you believe in Denver? Do you believe in the Pelicans? Do you believe in the Grizzlies? Personally. I still think that the fully healthy Clippers are a tier above all of those teams. The only team that I think is still above the Clippers is the Golden State Warriors. Now, the same thing we just said about Anthony Davis. Will Kawhi be healthy? Will Paul George be healthy? I do think that at some point this season, you cannot load manage. You need to get a rhythm and a chemistry developed with everybody present. And I don't know what you think about that, Jihei, because the good news is that you guys can develop all these guys. Like lately it's been Diabate. What a, what a fine he's been. But what do you think about that? Developing the chemistry? I mean, I a hundred percent agree. I mean, two years ago, we're talking, Arash and I are talking, you know, look at the Clippers. They're going to the summer league when they don't have to. But all of them are going, right? Luke Kennard, um, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they're all attending Summer League together and hanging out with each other and trying to build that camaraderie with each other and build that chemistry um, and that bond that you know can only exist, um, that they try to do it off the court and on the court. Um, I would love for Kawhi to stop load managing. It would be amazing. I would love for him to be back at 100% to, to, from start to finish. By the way, speaking of teams that can make that run – if last night was any indication of what Zion Williamson can do, that team is ridiculous. The Pelicans, how they played last night was insane. So, I mean, I want to take these guys out. I, and also, like we said before, the West is so wide open. I, again, and I would love for the Clippers to um, to stop with the load management, but that's above my pay grade. I, I'm not on their. I'm on not on their uh, squad telling them, um, you know, my kind of feelings or anything like that. Um, I don't know if here's my problem with that though, is what if they do stop with the load management? What happens? Does he get hurt again? 
that's a yeah it's it's definitely a risk i understand why they do it i just think that with the amount of talent the clippers have the amount of guys that they have you need to figure out at some point your rotations the guys that are going to play a lot Kawhi's fit with this group and all of those things need to be done before the playoffs but i feel like we're going to get to the playoffs, and that's when Ty Lu and company are going to try to piece it together. Yeah, I mean, I hope that they would make those kinds of adjustments. I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of like, it's not kind of like football, but it's what football does best is those halftime adjustments, those middle, ga- middle game adjustments, those, you know, um, middle season adjustments. So I'm hoping that Ty Lu can do that as well for this Clippers team. Um, that being said, I, I'm just, I'm still just concerned because you, just like AD, you got to treat Kawhi with kid gloves when it comes to him possibly getting hurt again. I mean, he's, it was almost two years, man, that he wasn't playing. It's, that's insane. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, you would know this better than I would, but will Clippers fans be as patient as they've been? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. You know what? I unfortunately think they will. <laughs> that's that's the sad part um, uh, about all of this. Well, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by Mr. Nick Hamilton, the biggest hustler I know. When we return on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. nothing more valuable it's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1. Um, FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline at 310-400-0340. Again, that hotline number is 310-400-0340. Don't forget to email us at show at gmail.com. That is all lowercase A-R-A-S-H-M-A-R-K-A-Z-I-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Okay, that's Hit up the Sporting Tribune guest hotline. Sporting Tribune is your go-to destination. I feel like I'm reading a lot of promos, guys, so I apologize ahead of time for the best coverage of your favorite teams in Southern California, Las Vegas, and Hawaii. No paywalls, no ads, no autoplay videos. Um, Just your teams and a clean reading experience. Visit thesportingtribune.com today. And speaking of Sporting Tribune, we have the one, the only, the hardest working man hustler in L.A., Mr. Nick Hamilton today. Hey, how you doing, Nick? I'm good. How you guys doing? 
I am awesome. Duke won, so I'm I'm on a high horse right now. Duke beat <laughs> no, their first good. ranked. Yeah, we beat their first. Uh, Shire beat their first ranked uh, squad. So I'm I'm on a high note right now as I uh, am repping my, my Dukies. How, how about yourself? Hey man, I'm alive and bleeding. You know, black, blessed, and highly favored. So okay, good flying. Yeah. Well, we wanted to first, um, obviously, kick this show off with a bang, um, since Arash isn't here to do it. Let's talk about Jerry Jones. Let's talk about uh, LeBron James and what he said in his post-game uh, press conference, um, talking about Jerry Jones and being in a very um, prolific photo uh, back in 1957, I believe it was, uh, kind of on the side. It looked like he was on the side of the protesters. Um, against uh, integration. So I just wanted your thoughts on that and what you thought about LeBron's speech or LeBron's talk to the media and to the press. I mean, as I mentioned on my radio show earlier this week, uh, first of all, that wasn't a protest. That was a white, angry mob that was unfortunately trying to stop black students from desegregating their school uh, in 1957, whether Jerry Jones was 15, 16 or 17, it does not matter. Um, it, it only matters that the fact that Jerry Jones was in concert with these individuals who actually committed a federal crime because that was after the, the, the board of the Brown versus the board of education in 1954 that allowed the desegregation of schools primarily in the South for black children to attend and be able to have a quality education. Um, so that part continues to go unnoticed and untalked about um, as far as LeBron James is concerned. I absolutely wholeheartedly 100% agree with him. Um, there are not enough media members that should have asked him about what he thought of Jerry Jones's comments when they were so quick to ask him about Kyrie's comments to comment on something that happened three, you know, that happened to a player that's 3000 miles away. That's not even in his organization. Um, they were quick to, to, to pretty much throw questions at random fire at random uh, when it came to Kyrie Irving's unfortunate situation, but when it came to Jerry Jones, it was not, it was quiet as a church mouse. Um, but also too, I also have to say this as well. This is why you have to have black media and minority media in these rooms and not only just having them in the rooms, but having them use their voices and having an opportunity to ask questions like that beyond basketball or sports related type of topics. Because these are things that are very, very important and serious that affect us all, no matter what color you are. These issues affect us all, but primarily in the black and brown communities and primarily for this in the black community, because there's so many things that, are, that transpire with this photo and the representation that it means as far as uh, white supremacy, as far as racism and bigotry. And so you have to uh, be able to be able to use your voice, as LeBron has done in times prior. Uh, to talk about these things and bring up these issues. And I've said the same thing. So I'm glad LeBron James finally has said something about this particular issue uh, because this is what happens when you have a lack of representation in the room, whether it be the Lakers or any other NBA franchise. It is very important that you have black media and those people of color in the room to be able to ask these type of questions. I have been in some of these rooms where I have asked LeBron some of these questions and others have too. But it's been very rare um, and, and we don't get the opportunities that we should get um, because we've earned these opportunities to be able to get called upon to ask questions for the most part. So that has definitely got to change as well. And that's a whole nother conversation. I believe mm -hmm. he's opened up as well. 
um, beyond just the Jerry Jones situation, which is very serious. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you kind of mentioned other races, and I don't want to get this, like, you know, make this whole entire segment about that. But um, there are other there are other races that have not been represented and are not even been talked about. If we're talking about because LeBron did bring up Kyrie, can we also bring up his owner? Well, absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I preface by saying black media because I'm a black man and I can only speak on issues that I see in my community, not to say that I'm limited, or I, but I don't want to speak out of context or out of turn when I talk about other uh, nationalities or other cultures, because I'm, I'm very limited in that, even though I have friends from various cultures, I'm very limited in that because I don't live in that particular culture. Um, I do live as a black man in the black culture, uh, in the black communities, and I see what goes on when it comes to black-owned media, when it comes to other cultures as well. So I'm very sympathetic. Um, and I empathize with other cultures, whether it be the Jewish culture, whether it be the Latino or Asian American or Pacific Islander culture, Native American culture, or what have you. Um, I'm very uh, empathetic when it comes to, to the mistreatment um, of those cultures as well. Um, I don't want to minimize that. But however, this happens to be an issue that black folks, uh, when it comes to the Jerry Jones situation, have dealt with. I mean, our grandparents, some of our great uncles, aunts. Uh, you know, even some of our parents, uh, for that matter, that, that have grown up in the South, um, have exp unfortunately experienced uh, these types of mobs and these types of racial uh, episodes uh, that have gone against them simply for the color of their skin. Um, and so I think it's very important that not only we have to ask LeBron those questions, but these questions, you also be thrown at the man who was involved in it, which is Jerry Jones. And I'm, I'm waiting to see who's going to have the guts to ask Jerry Jones these questions or not even so much the guts, but have the opportunity to ask Jerry Jones these type of questions and see what he has to say about those, those situations and how he deals with those situations. That's the most important part, but you ain't going to get me coming out here like Stephen A. Smith and just sitting up here and just cape <laughs> up for Jerry Jones. Like he's just all good. And it's just because he was a 14 year old, 15 year old kid. Uh, hello, there's a young man who never got a chance to live past 14 years old named Emmett Till. Do you think they cared about Emmett Till being 14 years old? Right. And, and countless others. We can go on and on and on, but you know you know where I'm going with this. And so yeah. I think it's vastly important. I'm glad LeBron said something. I hope other athletes, not just LeBron James, but I do hope other athletes, Steph Curry's of the world, the Kevin Durant, the Kyrie Irvings, as we know, um, you know, and, and, you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul and, you know, Chris Paul has been a very big advocate of HBCUs, which I'm glad to see. He's been a very big advocate of women's sports, which I'm glad to see. So I would love to see some of these other athletes speak about these types of situations uh, more frequently uh, than not. Nick, I wanted to bring up two things. First of all, um, this is what, a month or two after we had the same conversation about the Brett Favre situation with the media kind of portraying that in a in a lighter way than than the Kyrie situation that was happening at the time. And second of all, you just kind of touched on what I was going to ask you. What do you think are the next steps? Because you have LeBron yesterday going out of his own way without being asked about it. He just kind of brings it up. Do you think we're going to see more athletes like the Steph Curry's, like the guys that may stay out of these kinds of conversations? Do you think that they are going to get more involved in bringing these issues to light? I hope so. 
I hope they use their voices, their platforms. I mean, let's let's be clear. Um, first and foremost, the problem was LeBron wasn't asked these questions by media uh, that happened to be in the room. And unfortunately, uh, again, when you don't have a balance of various people from various backgrounds in the room, you don't get an opportunity to get to ask these type of questions to a superstar of his caliber. But I do hope that the Steph Currys and the Chris Pauls of the world, which do absolutely great work in their various communities, I think a lot of stuff goes unnoticed, especially with Steph Curry, with all the great work he does in the city of Oakland and the surrounding communities of Oakland and in the Bay Area uh, with kids and, uh, you know, with the people in Oakland, which are primarily black, um, to my understanding. And so I think using your voice and having these platforms is very important. Draymond Green uses his platform, uses his voice. Um, I would love to see. I saw Draymond Green last night at the uh, world premiere of, of Emancipation, Will Smith's new movie. Um, I would love to see him, you know, talk about this topic. I would love to see other people I know talk about, not just athletes, because we can't put this all on athletes. I think a lot of people from various uh, worlds of entertainment um, need to be speaking on this topic as well and continue to use their voices uh, to speak on these various topics. So I think it's very important as far as Brett Favre is concerned. Uh, he's, he, you see he's trying to weasel his way out of any type of accountability or responsibility for his part, uh, allegedly in the uh, scandal that went on in the state of Mississippi, one of the poorest countries in the in the union. Uh, that's primarily black folks uh, that are in that state that have not been able to acquire services because of the monies that were allocated, uh, that were fraudulently used uh, for some to, to some degree. So. I think, you know, we have to put we have to put pressure and continue to bring up these stories about Brett Favre um, and what should happen to Brett Favre. Should Brett Favre be not allowed to be in the Hall of Fame because of his actions? Um, if it was somebody that didn't look like Brett Favre, most folks would be calling for that or some type of various actions. Um, so it's it's all like I've always said before, and I've grown up in this country and I love this country. However, it is something called two Americas. Um, and certain people are judged differently on a different set of rules, unfortunately. Um, but again, we have a lot of growing to do. We have a lot of, um, understanding to have. We got a lot of problem solving to do period. Nick, I couldn't agree more. Um, this isn't the right way to do this, but I do want to transition over to some other news involving the college football playoffs and what is next for them apparently not even apparently it is confirmed now that the the college football playoffs will be expanding to 12 team playoffs beginning in 2024 2025 what are your overall thoughts on that do you like it do you not like it what are your th thoughts on that First and foremost, it was interesting that the Rose Bowl was the final domino that, that finally gave way. And when, uh, when I spoke with Bill Hancock, who's the college football playoff executive director last week, uh, he explained in, in, certain, in certain terms that there was one entity that stood in their way from allowing them to bring the 12-team the twelve college football playoff earlier than 2026. And so when the reports came out yesterday, the Rose Bowl, which I had known the Rose Bowl was one was the, the falling domino that needed to happen, um, that they signed off on. And I figured eventually they would sign off on it because when you affect somebody's bottom line, uh, and that makes an, a lot more decision making to happen uh, quicker rather than later. And so 
Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Hell, I'm excited about this coming weekend when you got four teams that are competing for spots, possibly five competing for spots uh, in the college football playoff with just the four teams uh, that are allowed to go. So I can only imagine when USC and UCLA make their way to the to the Big Ten, and now they have an op- they will have an opportunity to be a part of that 12 team playoff um, in a much stronger and more solidified conference known as the Big Ten. Uh, I think that's going to have incredible amounts of, of – it's still going to create some type of controversy. I mean, there's always going to be that 13th or 14th team that felt like they should have gotten in and didn't get in. Um, so it's still going to be it's still going to be things to talk about. Um, but I, I love the fact that it's expanding. I think it should expanding with the expansion of these conferences, whether it be the SEC, uh, the Big Ten, the Big 12, or what have you. Uh, you're going to have to expand the college football playoff with these conferences expanding. So it only makes sense and it makes uh, for a better, I think, a better part of the game. And I think it's more uh, fruitful when it comes to uh, just the economic value of the college football playoff. So I'm all for it. I've been for it. I've been calling for at least an 18 playoff. They went to 12. I'm happy as all get out. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Nick. I think that, you know, I don't want to say the more the better, the more the merrier, or whatever. But you know, I, I think about you know that they did at least expand these and to get it to twelve. I mean, my, my only issue is that like I would have liked them to slowly but gradually do this. But you know what? It's here. I'm 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 all for it. Um, also, all for the uh, this week's game, USC versus the Utes. I know this is like a revenge game and like you USC is going to be coming out like full, thro- full throttle. Um, how much do you think that they're going to win by? How much do you think that they're going to win? Do you, I mean, this is, it's all or nothing now. Right. As you said, this is a must win game for USC. If they want to continue to keep their college football playoff hopes alive. This is a must win game for, for them. And it, it's a great opportunity for them to beat rank another ranked team, another top 15 team. Uh, when you look at the overall, totality of their season how they started and i think this is a much different team uh the usc team that we've seen in the last three weeks than even when they played in utah and they got cheated uh in utah but i think this is a golden opportunity for the for the usc trojans i think they understand that when you talk to caleb williams when we talk to head coach lincoln riley they totally understand that they're not taking it too lightly they're not they're not overwhelmed by all the hype that's been pushed behind them in the last few weeks by beating some quality teams uh but i think they understand this the assignment they understand the task at hand, and not only if they lose, not only are they out of the college football playoff, but they will not be able to be uh, participating in the Rose Bowl either. So this is a must-win for the USC Trojans. Uh, when, and I, I, my hats off to Lincoln Riley for completely changing the culture of USC because when they had Gomer Helton, they had no identity. <laughs> the culture was lost. Um, I mean, he's a very nice man. I think he's one of the few coaches that really truly cared about the kids. But you're not there to just care about kids. You're there to win and win national championships. This is University of Southern California. This is a legendary program. This is an, a, 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 a nationwide brand. And when the USC Trojans are better, college football is better. Um, and so when they have, I think they will beat Utah. I think they understand that fact. I don't know how much they're going to beat them by. I will be in Las Vegas on Friday watching the game and covering the game. Um, I'm looking forward to a good game. I think Utah is going to come out hype. I think they're going to come out strong. And USC is going to have to play like they've been playing the last couple of weeks um, against their quality opponents. The offense is going to have to be 
they're going to have to do some more trick plays. They're going to have to continue to facil- uh, facilitate that offense in a way that continues to move the chains. The defense is going to have to step up big time. Um, but it's all contingent upon what happens in the other uh, championship games, the SEC championship uh, with Georgia and LSU, uh, what happens in TCU, uh, what happens with TCU and, and Kansas State, um, also Michigan and Purdue. Um, you know, so there's, 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 there's some complications. And, oh, yeah, Ohio State is breathing down their necks. Uh, so they got to be the USC has to be mindful of that as well. That was going to be my question, Nick. What do you think the committee does? Should something shocking happen like Michigan losing, Georgia losing, TCU losing would not be as shocking. But what do you think they would do in those scenarios? That's an excellent question, man. I think when you look at the what can happen, I mean, it's going to spiral out of control. I think. With Georgia and Michigan winning, I think that helps strengthens USC's case, especially with them playing in prime time, playing and beating their their in a conference championship, um, uh, and avenging a loss. If TCU lost, I think the the committee would probably push SC to three and, and bring in a one loss Ohio State team. People forget it's not just what happens on the field. It is also about who brings in the money. And we all know that those four teams in college football are prime targets, but not only bringing in money, but their fan bases travel pretty well when it comes to going on the road um, and playing and not in the semifinals, but the national championship that's going to be here in Los Angeles on January 9th at SoFi Stadium. Moving on and um, just for, for whatever and giggles, for poops and giggles, right? Um, if, <laughs> I can't say the other word on the on the air, so I, this is what you got. Um, with a minute and a half to go, uh, SC right now is completely it's it's seventy five percent SC in Vegas right now, and it's twenty five percent Utah fans um, and alumni and all that stuff out there in Vegas. With the ultimate home field advantage at SoFi, let's just say that they we make it all the way. USC makes it all the way. What are the odds for that? Great odds. I mean, that reminds me of what the Rams did last season when they they played in the Super Bowl at home. I mean, if they could repeat what the Rams did, I think USC would have a quality season. I think it ups the ante, um, definitely ups the uh, opportunity for recruitment, but it also uh, raises the standards for a Lincoln Raleigh better be in this thing every year. You know how L.A. fans are. You know how, how, how long USC fans have been waiting for this opportunity to get a guy like Lincoln Riley. Um, and USC is one of the few quality schools that could bring a Lincoln Riley in here because they have the funds and the methods to do so. And they needed to do this. And also to bring Caleb Williams, who's also going to come back another year. I mean, this is Patrick Mahomes, Jr. Jr. Uh, for college football. So this is a guy who's elect- he's the most electrifying college football player uh, in the nation right now. And I'm looking forward to him winning the Heisman as well. Yeah, Nick, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Armand got to see him live and in person for the first time. We both did. And Good job, uh, Armand. Yeah, yeah. We finally, finally got to got to the Coliseum. <laughs> so um, can't wait to see what SC does and what Lincoln Riley does. Well, that's um, all she wrote for today. Let's do it again tomorrow, everybody. Until then, this is the Arash Markazi Show saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.